When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That was the text from Nike, Nike to uh, Tiger Woods after 27 years. Hit the road, Jack. Thanks. We're done. We've probably spent about $800 million on you. It's just not working out. But why didn't it work out? Mike Keach is uh, the, the director and owner of Impact Sponsorship, who's uh, globally recognised as one of the best sponsorship guys around when it comes to uh, setting targets and understanding where people need to take their sponsorship. And, he, and he's, a, he's an Aussie but lives in New Zealand, so that's even better. And he joins us right now. G'day, Mike. How are you? Stephen, good morning. Hey, okay. Oh, gee, that was that was very efficient. You could be a little bit more excited about being on the radio, pal. <laughs> okay, mate, mate, I'm, mate, I'm, I'm pumped. Let's talk about Nike. <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, yeah, let's talk about Nike. Are you, first and foremost, are you surprised about the split? No, no. I think uh, the cracks have been appearing uh, for a while, and that's in particular around golf's uh, uh, the investment that golf's made for Nike in comparison to its other business units. But remember, Nike stayed strong with uh, Tiger when many brands exited when he went through a couple of those major uh, career-turning events. Well, they weren't really career-turning events. They are more personal events, weren't they? So, and, and, yeah, absolutely. And they held strong. Do you think they got it wrong with Tiger when it comes to making no. money off their product? No, I think I think in terms of positioning yourself in the golf division and you know, the typical sort of approach – with an athlete is that you, you're really trying to create a powerful engineering market force. And, you know, I think their investment was right at the time. Um, what they haven't done is they haven't evolved that brand alignment into something bigger than golf. You know, and if you compare sort of performance in 2013, is actually when Nike um, peaked in golf and that was at $791 million. But if you compare the same year, we say the likes of their investment in Jordan, um, they achieved $2.7 billion in sales in 2013, the year the golf peaked. Do you think then that's that's a pure, so it's, it's actually quite simple, cultural icon Michael Jordan, uh, younger crowd, uh, young fashion, the whole nine yards, Tiger Woods, golfer, older crowd. Don't look at, don't look at things like uh, you know, shoes and things like that. I think Jordan has actually evolved their brand with Nike into beyond sport. It's you know it's a lifestyle brand. It's a it's the brand to have and it's it's ageless. Whereas they haven't achieved that same success with golf. Um, you know they're still committed, obviously, with uh, the likes of uh, Rory, you know Tommy Fleetwood, and uh, I think they just signed recently LPGA player Nelly Corder. But you know when you compare those figures. You look at the landscape that golf is currently going through, in particular with, uh, you know, Live and the PGA. This gives Nike $100 million a year to reinvest into either other areas of golf. I think they've realised that the golf specific, though, is probably not where their, uh, 
their profits are going to lay and where the audiences are. Well, the audience is an older audience, right? I mean, we're probably talking uh, male, females, what, 35 plus? And they're not the ones that are going to be running out buying Jordans, are they? Or or, fla- and, or flash and, Nike, Nike golf shoes. Yeah, and, and, and let's face it, you know, every athlete will get to that time um, and there are a bunch of athletes coming through golf um, that are quite exciting, that sit in both camps, um, that will probably create a lot more noise for Nike in the future. The relationship with Nike and Tiger Woods is incredible for 27 years. I was looking up, you know, the strongest sort of um, partnerships and you, you're talking about the Beckhams and the Adidas's, the, you know, the Nikes and the Jordans, the Serena Williams. Um, so it's up there. It's a long relationship. But I think the challenge, you know, there's rumours that Tiger's going to announce something in the next couple of weeks. But the reality is it'll be like Westpac Chopper deciding with Westpac they're not going to sponsor that anymore. It'll take a brand a significant amount of investment, time and energy to really get past the fact that Nike is and will always be associated with Tiger. I got asked this question straight up, and it reminds me of the. It's a bit like Red Bull. Are Nike more more a marketing company? We know what they produce, but do you think they're more a marketing company, or would like to be more of a marketing company? I, I think they're a they're a, a lifestyle company for sure. You know, when they started out with the uh, investment in Michael Jordan, it was about that sea change. And remember, back then they they w- were a very small part of the market share. They've really increased that play, and I suppose what they're looking at from a golf perspective is that significant split. There's a lot of sort of moving parts at the moment. Tiger's given them 27 good years. With $100 million, they can do a lot more. And I do think that you know every brand has a significant marketing element. It's just how you use those assets. And you know it's it's wrong to say that people are uh, moving parts, but you know the reality is is that there are some great athletes around and I think Nike's just called time and, and actually they've come out and said that they didn't part with Tiger, this is more about their relationship with golf um, and they wanted to make that really clear so you know with brand athlete alignment, you know, global recognition and appeal role models, the inspirations, product development, innovation, you know maybe those things have passed with Tiger and it's a, a new chance for them to uh, to look where they, where they may land. Do you think there may have been a political move on this one to stay away from the whole live golf thing in the PGA if, if and when they ever get together? Well, there may be, uh, now with money freed up, there may be a play on whatever comes out of this and whether they uh, get involved. But, you know, whether that's a golf-specific product or whether that's more of an association around the hype and selling their lifestyle gear, including, you know, potentially cross-collaboration around the Jordan brand because it's it's gone beyond just sport. Um, it's going to be an interesting sort of uh, 2024 when it comes to Nike and golf. On a global scale, it's easy to say a Tiger Woods, a LeBron James, or any myriad of American athletes or international athletes to throw money at. But what is the sponsor really getting out of it? Are they simply just throwing money to try and get back, a return back for the, for the sales? I mean, when sponsors look at things, what nowadays are they looking at? Is the market tightening up? Yeah, I, I think anyone that's in, in, a, in a brand, ultimately you're trying to sell, and to sell you need to get attention. To get attention, you need to understand who it is that is your audience. So one, who are you currently selling to, but who do you want to sell to? And and often, you know, the brand alignment with an athlete it really comes down to who your customer base is, what they love, what they enjoy, what are their hobbies, their sports, their passions. And if a brand does it right, 
It's not about advertising. If a brand does it right, it's about sharing stories and actually immersing themselves into the passion and experience of the consumer who naturally thinks, well, if this brand supports something I love, well, why wouldn't I go out and uh, reciprocate and do the same? And, you know, there is um, a whole lot of examples of brands doing it really well. But I think the biggest thing about the Tiger Woods relationship is its longevity and consistency because effectively what that's allowing you to do is to build consistent marketing campaigns. It's a steady association between the two, the athlete and the brand, but it really strengthens that loyalty and recognition. So consumers <clears throat> leverage and build trust with each other um, and you're in for the long haul and there's probably a, a, a generation of people um, that will uh, always associate this with uh, with Nike and Tiger. Yeah, and here's the go to golf. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Fifteen majors, eighty-two PGA Tour ones. That was an easy one, but it's a, still a quite uh, quite a surprise to everybody. I hate the word influencer. I'm over it. I think it's I think it's a done thing. I don't think influencers are actually influencers anymore. Are you seeing a sea change there that, that uh, advertisers and sponsors are going, well, actually, you're not really giving me what I need. And what are sponsors now looking at? Are they still looking at quote unquote? And use this market as a reference of, as you want for influencers? Yeah, it's interesting. So influencers is an extension, obviously, of a, a, another advertising channel. And, and you know, people saw it as an opportunity to get micro. The, the, the challenge with influencers is it's no different to associating with an athlete, a sports team, arts, entertainment. Um, at the end of the day, there's got to be an alignment with who you're trying to talk to, and it's got to be genuine and authentic about the story. Um, you know, probably the best example is a non-influencer campaign that actually is successful is what ASB does with the couple and what Turner's does with Tina. You build an association with someone and it's genuine. The problem with influencers these days is that I'm with this brand today. I'll post another brand this afternoon. And ultimately, you know, you've got to ask the question, is volume better than quality? And to me, every day, quality will trump quantity. And I think that's about the maturity of people working within brands and understanding that big numbers doesn't necessarily uh, automatically reach results. But influencers are easier to um, report on because you're just pulling data from a computer and you can share it with your boss and they say these things look good, whereas your head of sales is screaming because nothing's moving. Okay, so so you you would tell me then that you're going into meetings and seeing younger uh, marketing individuals going, oh, look at the numbers on this person. They've got 30,000 there. We think that would make it work, but they're not actually looking deeper as to say, yes, but if how is that message going to be delivered and can they deliver that, deliver that message properly for the client? Yeah, and I, I'd probably go as far as saying, Stephen, it's actually not a um, an age thing. It's, it's more about sponsorship and understanding what sponsorship truly is that it's not advertising in its one sense. Um, and it's about the maturity of how people learn about sponsorship and successes. Because, um, you know, in the world we live in, where you're working with brands, and you'll, you'll know yourself that the brand that I've currently worked with, one of the things that we did on a low budget is is get, get behind um, KP. Um, and that's very strategic with a specific outcome uh, and clear understanding. But in no means is he an influencer. Um, because if anyone looked at his numbers from a normal play, they go, well, he just doesn't have the volume. And 
it's not a volume game. If people are looking at running high volumes with channels and, and not being authentic, telling stories, and actually understanding the customer, the consumer, the potential, then you are really just playing a, a percentage dark game and you hope that you're going to turn people uh, through and they become customers. Let's clarify what you were talking about. So you, the client that you had was Precise Homes, which is a, a young building company, and they decided to put their logo and, and pay KP Panu, who went out in the first round yesterday, of the classic. So what was the strategy play on that for them? Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time in the quarter four last year actually just reviewing you know they're a startup they've done very well they've got great sort of uh, future alignment with their brand they've got great properties coming up and so what we looked at was who was buying from them where were they buying where are their properties located and who is it that we need to talk to and in particular what do they love you know what what do the people that buy our homes love and what do they need and what came out of that was uh, they call it personas which is a profile of what your customer might look like. Um, and ultimately, what we've identified is a couple of areas that we need to invest in. So we're testing the water. Not a, not a big company, small budget, but this is about being really laser-focused and, uh, and quite strategic. And ultimately, this is about launching their brand. No one knows who they are. So the ASB Classic being a summer icon was a great way to do it. We looked at major partnership options. But, you know, when we think about what we invested, KP was a great ambassador plays hard yesterday, um, and if I look at what we got through TV, what he mentioned, um, it's a great start for us, and and ultimately for the brand, you know, it's got people talking, and that's what it's about. We want to be top of mind, so when people are making decisions about property, they're at least uh, dropping in and having a look at why precise homes are quality and how that links to KP. If if people are listening to you now, what's what's the one thing you have to say about? available sponsorship out there in the marketplace now for sport? Oh, it's tough. It's really tough. And if I was in particular in women's sport, um, you know, the traditional women's sport like, say, netball, um, I'd be really worried about the next couple of years because the the stronghold position the netball's had, particular with being a women's sport, is now diluted. There are some fantastic athletes, women's um, programs, the launch of the new women's um, team with the football franchise in Auckland. Um, you know, there's a significant shift. There's a smorgasbord of opportunities for brands to sponsor. Um, and ultimately, I think the biggest thing is that the, people don't like saying the R word, but we are in a different type of recession. People are very choosy about where they spend their money. People are time poor. They're very busy. Um, and I think anyone that's seeking sponsorship just needs to understand that you need long lead times. You know, we're talking six months plus. If you're looking for anything in Christmas 24, you need to be in the market right now because, you know, with ESG, which, Stephen, is that, you know, the environmental sustainable governance requirements with any money laundering, these processes are no longer, I've got money in my pocket and I can just sign you. It's, I've got money in my pocket, but there is quite a robust process to go through. And I think people have just got to allow time, money's out there, but... People are very cautious, and the market is tight, in particular in New Zealand. So, so I've I've gained one a couple of things out of this conversation with you, Mike. Planning is is important, full stop. But also building a relationship rather than thinking you're going to get a, you're going to get a hit and, and a kickback off influences. Full stop. And and that relationship with Nike and Tiger was a perfect example of how a relationship, albeit he he's a 
an exclusive case, uh, will work. And there, but then at a time, it'll be time to call it. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, Stephen, you know, most brands go through a cycle of three or six years. Um, and I've seen the best partnerships, the best sponsorships um, in New Zealand, um, you know, after a three-term brand cycle just end because it's time. It's not because they're not performing. It's just a, a cycle of evolution in life. And I think, uh, you know, Tiger and, uh, and Nike have, uh, have landed on a comfortable exit. Uh, it's a it's a good break up, and uh, you know I'm really excited to see where things go with both Tiger and with uh, with Nike. Love an am- amicable divorce, Mike. Thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate the insights into sponsorship and and the Tiger Nike thing, and where things are at at the moment in the local marketplace as well. Thanks, David.